are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. Mark 12, 28 through 34. The greatest commandment. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well, said the teacher, the man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Thanks, Erica, for reading. You know, one of the ways that we love others is in praying for one another. We want to come alongside Randy and Judy During as they prepare to bury their adult son, Chris. So there's a memorial service for Chris During tomorrow at Bunker Hills Event Center, visitation 4 to 6, with the worship service at 6 o'clock. I encourage you all to be in prayer for Randy and for Judy. Well, just out of curiosity, how many of you, if you're willing, raise your hand. It's easier for you to love God. Okay. How many, it's easier to love others? Far less. Yes, I'm with you. I'm with, I'm with you. Well, the worship today is all about loving God and loving others. The most important commandment. And I was really tempted to skip writing a message for today and to just let you have conversation around your table as to how do we practically speaking love God and love others. I know a few of you might have really jumped in on that idea, right? And we will do this, just not quite yet. But so you know where I'm going this morning. First, we'll take a look at the original context for this passage, and then we'll consider how each of us can love God heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. So if you didn't open your Bible, please do so now. We're looking at Mark 12, 28 to 34, page 824 in the Blue Table Bible. We are now in the last month of our study in the Gospel of Mark which means that Jesus is well on his way to Jerusalem, where he has told his disciples he will be persecuted and killed. The scripture readings for us here at the Y Church for the month of August are all set in these last days of Jesus' earthly ministry. It's helpful to remember that as you hear the text read. If you look back to Mark 11, verse 1, 
Jesus and his disciples arrive in Jerusalem as celebrities. Picture Palm Sunday. The next day, verses 12 to 18, Jesus clears out the temple, which ticks off the religious leaders who begin looking for a way to kill him. Jesus and the disciples leave the city for the night, and when they return to Jerusalem, the chief priests, teachers of the law, the elders, begin peppering Jesus with questions in an attempt to trap him and have grounds then for his arrest. You'll find this in Mark eleven twenty-seven, and all the way through our reading for today. So now concerning this Mark 12 passage, picture Jesus in the temple courtyard being heckled by the religious leaders with all of these questions. Quick commercial break. It will be even easier for you to picture this if you travel with us to Israel next spring. There's still room. So verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Note, not all of the religious leaders were antagonistic to Jesus. There were those who really wanted to know if Jesus was the promised Messiah. Think of Nicodemus when he came to Jesus by night. In fact, we know from reading Acts 7 that eventually a large number of priests became followers of Jesus. And many scholars believe that this teacher of the law in Mark 12 was one such leader. He was impressed with the way Jesus was handling all the questions. And he genuinely wanted to know which law Jesus thought was the most important. In the Jewish books of the law, the Torah, which is the first five books in our English Bibles, the religious leaders documented 613 laws. Of these laws, 248 were considered positive and 365 were considered to be negative. Some compelled people to do certain things while others forbid certain activities. These commands then were subdivided into two groups. The heavy or the important laws and the light, the less important. It is these 613 laws that form the basis for Jewish belief and practice. And for centuries... The religious elite spent much of their time debating which of these 613 laws was the greatest in importance, since there was no human way possible for any person to follow, to even know all 613 laws. Human nature has been the same forever, right? The bottom line so often gets to be How can I massage the law to work it to my advantage? What can I or can I not do? What 
can I get away with, according to the Bible? Can I fudge just a few dollars on my tax report or a few minutes on my time card? Just what exactly is stealing? Or if I just glance at my classmates' work, is that cheating or is it really making good use of my time? If I only spend a few minutes on that particular website, does that really count as wrong? Out of all the rules, which matters most? What do I really have to obey? I bet the law enforcement officers that are part of our body here might have some very interesting stories to tell in that regard. Well, Jesus cuts through the loopholes, cuts through the debates. He takes all 613 rules and regulations, and he sums them up in two statements. Verse 29, the most important one Jesus answered is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. There it is. Love God, love others. First, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6.4. The Jews know this as the Shema, and it was and is quoted by all religious Jews every morning and every evening, even still today. In reciting this, One is remembering that there is no other God but the one true God, and we are to love him with the entirety of our being. Then Jesus quoted Leviticus 19, 18. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And when we read this same story in Matthew 22, Jesus says, the second is like the first. And he adds, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. First, love toward God. And second, but inseparable from the first, love toward others. Jesus took the two commandments and made them one. In essence, Jesus boils all the law, the commandments, all the teachings of the prophets down into one word, love. Love God. Love others is the greatest commandment. Nothing is more important than this. The Greek word used here for love is agape. Agape love is unconditional, unselfish. The kind of love that gives itself away with no expectations in return. Agape, love for us, took Jesus to the cross. And here, Jesus tells us to agape God like God agapes us. And since God loves us totally and completely, we are to love God totally and completely, heart and soul and mind, and strength. The word heart refers to the very center, the very core of our being. In Bible times, it was believed the heart 
controlled feelings and desires. It was regarded as the command center where decisions were made and intentions set. Today, we recognize that physiologically as our brain, but heart still expresses our center, our core. My friend Barb has as the postscript on her email signature, Proverbs 4, 23. The New Living Translation paraphrases it like this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Commentator David Garland writes, it is in our hearts where our belief and commitment to God take root. Those who give their hearts completely to God have set themselves on a spiritual magnetic north. Eugene Peterson, in the message, paraphrases the word heart to the word passion. Passion is all-consuming desire. Passion to love God with all your heart is to worship him. In Romans 12.1, the Apostle Paul writes, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. God wants us to be living sacrifices, to worship him, to live for him. This is what gives our lives purpose. As I offer all I am in response to all of who God is, agape love mutually blesses God and me. What would or does it look like for you, for me? To love God with all our heart. Love God with all our heart. Love God with all our soul. Soul refers to that motivating power in life. We don't love God with some kind of dry, lifeless love. Our love for God has power and energy. And it is this vitality, this spirit, that determines how we act, our conduct, I spent over 13 years in youth ministry while we lived in Hudson, Wisconsin. One of the things that I noticed over the years was that some parents wanted their kids to have just enough Jesus to get good grades and to keep them out of trouble. But when their kids started loving God with all their soul, with energy, an animation, desiring to make a difference for Christ, well, then those same parents thought their kids were now Jesus freaks and had gone totally overboard. But isn't that what the Lord wants when he says, love the Lord your God with all your soul? What would it look like if we added a little soul to our love for God? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Mind refers to our intellect. Agape love is not mindless or empty-headed. We love God because we've considered him. 
We've read his word, and we've made a conscious and a reasonable decision to follow him. We love God with all of our mind because there are intelligent reasons to do so. We don't love God just because somebody says so. Rather, we love him because of who he is, who he's proven himself to be, because of what he has done for us. It's an intelligent choice we make. And we are smart for choosing to love God and to surrender our lives to him. To love God with all our minds impacts our opinions and judgments. There are opinions aplenty these days, but are they grounded in love for God? For many years, my life verses were Romans 12, 1 and 2. I already shared Romans 12, 1 with you, but verse 2 reminds us, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In the Listen and Learn series that Grace Tiki recently led a number of us through, we were challenged to consider how God might want to renew our minds on the subject of friendship and relationships. Are we holding opinions and judgments that need the influence of God's word, how can we more effectively love God with all of our mind? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. To love God with all our strength implies that our love for God is not to be a thing that is done in word alone. But it should also see expression in our physical bodies. I'm sure many of you watched the Summer Olympics talk about physical and mental strength. Amazing. I especially enjoyed the story of one of our Minnesota heroines, Suni Lee. I've been told that gymnasts are some of the strongest all-around athletes. Loving God with all of our strength takes effort and energy. To develop love that is strong requires discipline and training. Athletes don't walk into an arena or onto a ball field without hours of intense work. One has only to walk up onto the training floor of the Y to witness the intentionality and determination and persistence required to become strong in body. What would it look like if we pursued strength in loving God with such intentionality? Might one add a few minutes to your quiet time with God? Or maybe begin to read God's word just for personal growth or to hear God speak to you. For some of us, it might mean we get moving in a lifestyle of worship. To love God with all of our strength is love in action. So for many of us, it means 
serving. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. In other words, love God with the entirety of your being, emotionally, physically, intellectually, with every fiber of your being. I find it interesting that on the heels of love the Lord your God with all your strength, Jesus continues with, love your neighbor as yourself. Talk about love in action. Jesus linked these two commands by saying, if we truly love God, we will express it by loving our neighbors. And when we truly love our neighbors, it expresses our love for God. The two loves are fully interconnected and intertwined. One of our Y groups is currently walking through the 40 Days of Purpose, a follow-up to the popular Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. In this book, Warren suggests five purposes for our lives. Loving our neighbors is one of those purposes. And Warren reminds us that we are not saved by service, but rather for service. Investing in the lives of our neighbors does not save us. God's grace alone saves. But we cannot experience life to the full, a life of significance, if we live it only for ourselves. Researchers in the field of psychology have documented many scientific studies that show a fulfilling life is one that pours itself out for others that loves our neighbors as ourselves. And if you're tempted to discount this part of the most important commandment because you lack love for yourself, be reminded of the selfless, sacrificial love, agape love, that God has for you. Your life has such significance to God. It was love for you that took Jesus to the cross. As a young student at Bible camp, I remember being told that even if I was the only one on planet earth, Jesus would have gone to the cross for me. He would rather die than live without me than live without you. The realization of that truth changed my life forever. I don't love me because I think I'm all that. I love me because Jesus tells me I am his child. He loves me, and that gives my life value. So what does this mean for us today? What can we do as individuals and as a corporate body of Christ to invest in our neighbors, to love them to Christ? How can we move from talking about love to demonstrating agape love to those who live around us? How can we actively seek the good of those who live in close proximity, our coworkers, 
our classmates, family and friends, our local business people, our teachers, our clerks, our neighbors across the street. And how can we love those we will never meet, our global neighbors who are in dire need of the good news of Jesus or who are in desperate need of clean water, food, education, and other resources? Well, there are countless ways we can love God and love others. And I encourage you to make this a family conversation for those of you who live in families or make it a topic for your Y group or any of your small groups. To get you started, we're going to take just two minutes now around your tables or for those of you at home in your living room or whatever space you find yourself in. And I want you to share one way that you will be intentional about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, or strength, or loving your neighbor. And then after two minutes, I'll call you back so we can close in a worship song and in prayer. Okay? Go ahead. As we were singing that song, I was reminded that even the ability to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbor as ourself, even that ability comes from our absolute dependence on God and on his love for us. As we wrap up our worship today, I want to encourage you to stop by either of our prayer ministry spots here at the Y Church. We really believe prayer changes things. And so I encourage you, if it's uh, maybe even to just share, hey, this is my intention. This is how I want to love God this week, or this is how I want to love others this week, to invite someone to come alongside 
you and pray for you in that direction just is going to add so much power to that intention. Join me in prayer. Gracious and generous God, we recognize that we are absolutely dependent on you to take these intentions that we've shared around the table or shared in our homes and to put them into action. And so by the power of your spirit, would you help us, oh God, to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. As we think of our neighbors, oh God, we're mindful of so many people who find themselves in difficult situations today. And we ask that you might reveal your presence to them, that in difficulty, Lord, they might look to you. And for those, Lord, for whom life is just easy breezy right now, that they would be reminded of your great love for them that they would not acknowledge you as the giver of all good gifts. We want to lift up Randy and Judy During, our brother and sister today, family and friends, as they grieve the loss of their adult son, Chris. We're so grateful, Lord, for the people that you have put around them to support them and encourage them during this difficult time. And we pray for all those today who are grieving. We pray too for Pastor Bjorn and Esther and family as they'll be returning back to the States this week. We're so grateful for the time they've had with family in Germany. We pray your travel mercies on them, on all, Lord, who are traveling in these waning summer days. We're mindful, Lord, of the fears that gather around us and sometimes take up too much space in our brains, whether it's concerns about COVID variants, concerns about going back to school, concerns about what's happening in our workplace or in our families. It's your perfect love that casts out fear, O oh God. And so as we go into this week, Cause us to be fearless, Lord. We thank you again that you are the God who hears and who answers prayer. And we thank you for the prayer that you taught us, Jesus, many years ago. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, check us out online at theychurch.org.